Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. If you haven't heard the episode on Eden Zero that came out on Thursday, definitely go check that out. Um, I noticed that it was underperforming a little, and maybe you just didn't get a notification, or I don't know what happened there, but I just wanted to let everybody know that that is out. Go check it out. Um, it's late because I had other stuff I wanted to do it do before I did Eden Zero. I didn't want to do Eden Zero immediately when it came out because I had other plans for the show by then because um, Netflix just like randomly dropped stuff seemingly sometimes and I was just like oh this is out I should probably watch this but I already had the show scheduled for whatever I was doing that week. Um, but on that note what I want to talk about this week is something that I surprisingly don't participate in that much. I think I might, I probably will put um, time-lapse videos of my own drawing over this so you have an idea of, I draw every day. <laughs> I draw every day. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's almost a compulsion and I have drawn every day since I was at the very least in middle school, but def actually since I was in elementary school. So I have about 20 years of me drawing in my brain and in my hands and all that stuff. But something I've never really done and never really done all that well is fan art. And that's for a lot of reasons. Um, I... I enjoy creating my own stuff more than I enjoy um, working within other people's stuff. And I do have moments where I do make fan art. I um, kind of too much um, kind of surprise of people made a, did some um, fan art of Lukoa from Dragon's Maid a bunch of, uh, like a couple years ago, I think, because it was Inktober and I was doing both High Dives Inktober challenges and the official Inktober challenges because I was an insane person. <laughs> and actually Inktober is coming up. But um, in any case, I rarely do fan art, but I also don't collect much fan art. I'm actually in my um, studio right now and I, other than a... Um, piece from, um, uh, other than pieces for, other than postcard from Patreon and my, um, 3D printing area and a, um, workshop portrait of Tony Stark of Iron Man fame from, um, Ukiyo-e Heroes. I don't really have much in the way of what you would consider quote unquote fan art. And it's not that I don't like anybody's work, believe me. I like a lot of people's work. I actually have, for the first time, a lot of people's original work. A, I have a um, poster that somebody gave me that um, actually Lauren, of the host of the Uncanny Courage podcast that I co-host with, over on there gave me for, I think, 
You think Christmas, a full map of Kanto from um from the first Pokemon game, I have that hanging next to the Tony Stark piece, and then I have the Tony Stark piece, and then I have the next thing I have is from a get the artist name, but I'll put a link to um, who I got it from below. And it's a original piece. And much of what I like is original work. It's not um, fan art. But fan art brings up a really interesting thing that doesn't that doesn't happen out that doesn't happen in um, much outside of super nerdy circles. And I'm talking, of course, about like film about. People like big film nerds, big um, comic nerds, big manga and anime nerds, absolutely. And that's... Fan art oftentimes involves taking the... Um, what's the best way to put this? Taking the intent and you know content of someone else's work and, reinterp- and reinterpreting it. Um, for lots of different reasons. And also, it has this, like, addition, additional added value or added wrinkle of lots of this work is copyrighted, right? And if you look at something like um, Comicat, um, I think there's uh, two or two or three Comicats a year in um, Tokyo, but Comicat is essentially a sanctioned by the copyright holders big breach of intellectual property in a, in a really major way in a really odd way that honestly um Japan is pretty unique for allowing to happen so if you go out on the internet and you if you if you find a rule 34 form and there's a bunch of them you can go find you can rule 34 state that there's if there's anything, if there's anything made on the internet, there is a, if there's anything you can think of, there is porn of it. <laughs> it just, it, it's the way it works. And rule 34 functions on the idea that like, no one's going to hunt down all the people who make weird ass Disney porn. But also if the person tried to sell it in their name, they would be met with a insane legal counsel thing. Um, with an insane legal fight because Disney would protect the mouse, so to speak, or protect Elsa, or protect Mulan, or any of that stuff. Yet you can go freely find these things, and one of the reasons why anime has such a wide berth there is because. Um, the people who make anime understand the, the fandom and the things that the fandom want, the things that the fandom want to create around those characters. So there's a great, um, quote from, uh, Kunohiko Ikohara, um, who who I believe is a friend of, um, Hideki Anno's, about, specifically, Rei Ayanami from, um, from... Ava, and he says, you know, like, if if you wanted to 
you know, give like give the ultimate finger to Ava fans. Ray Ayanami would not stay sixteen. You know, um, Asuka would not stay sixteen. She would grow up. She'd get mar- She'd have a job. She'd get married. She'd have kids, and like be a real dimensional person. If you watch the um, third um, Ava re- rebuild of Ava movie, the I believe it's called "You Cannot Redo." They have this moment where they say, like, it's the curse of Ava that none of the pilots get old, that none of the pilots age. And what that's really talking about is it's talking about the curse of Ava as a product, as a, like, as this, like, uber commodity that is worth a lot and a lot of money. And there, there have been, like, gallons of ink spilled on Ava fan art. I believe it is, um, I believe Jake, the founder of, um, of, of Faku credits an Ava, an Ava, um, Dojin with like his great, his great lewd awakening, so to speak. And there's nothing wrong with that, but also it, it takes the characters out of the original context in some cases that they were intended for and i want to use a, a more modern a more modern a more uh, not a more modern a more recently modern show with less baggage around it to talk about this and that show is um miss kobayashi dragon maid which i have to catch up on but if you've watched the first season of Miss Kobayashi Dragon Maid and you've been watching anime for a while, that was pretty refreshing because one of the things that it did was it managed to be a Yuri romance where um, the character, I forget the character, the um, young, very clearly blooming lesbian character in that, in that, in that show, I forget her name, who, who has a like deep, a, like deep lustful crush on Kana, um, but everybody had all these problems with her, and um, Noralities made Noralities made this video that got her like dragged across the YouTube land the U, the YouTube anime tube landscape for her take on um, you know the like sexualization of essentially a um a underage 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 female character and i'm gonna come back to her in a second because i don't i don't think she's wrong there but there's this tendency of of fandom to want to attack one thing and not see the other thing in the room, but the the thing that was refreshing there was, with the exception of some moments that made it feel like oh anime, oh it um was largely devoid of like the inappropriateness in a way that felt exploitative or in a way that felt like the camera had a extreme male gaze if you go watch um if you go watch the fourth the fourth ava the fourth ava movie thrice upon a time and i've 
have these fresh in my mind because I just literally binged one through four um, couple, uh, a couple weeks ago now um, on Amazon Prime. So if you haven't done that, definitely go check those out. But in that in that fourth movie, there's a lot of leering angles where there shouldn't be leering angles. There's a lot of like unexplained nudity, unexplained like we're gonna have this conversation with this with this character who's not really an effectual character with the camera shooting straight up their ass in a skin tight like um, plug suit scenario, and it. You feel the male creative team behind that property in a real way that you couldn't feel that in the original Ava because it was made for TV and these are made specifically for a theater so they can do more and they can go farther. One of the best um, things, and I'm talking about this for a reason, but one of the best things... Um, one of the best quotes from Matthew Weiner about um, about the show Mad Men is that he, instead of, he had originally proposed it to HBO and HBO, and HBO passed on it. But then he proposed it to AMC and AMC loved it. And the thing that he said that freed him from is if you're on HBO, you have no reason not to show a sex scene in its, in, in its detail and in its entirety. But on... A cable network like AMC that has more rules around, you know, sex and the representation of sex. He said that you can break out of that, um, you can break out of that mold of having to show the sex scene and the, um, the sex can be what the sex is really about, which is not the, like, hot, spicy, you know, titillating thing of sex but about the power dynamics that change immediately after that happens especially in a show like Mad Men and in the second season of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid it feels less it feels sometimes like an imposter of a show because of um, the character of, Il of Ilu and the, the like just general, slightly more horny horniness that is in the show. You know, everything has slightly more bounce. All, all the female characters have slightly more bounce. The first, the first little, like, the opening of that show is, like, let's turn Kobayashi into a guy and give her, like, guy parts and make that joke for, like, an episode and a half. And that's not, that's like not something they, that's not a conflict they would do, would have done in the first, um, in the first season. And the reason why it does, it feels less like the first season is because the director of Miss Co, the original director of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid actually died in that tragic fire, um, in the, in the tragic Kyoani fire from a couple years ago. Um, so he can't direct the show. So they needed to bring on a slightly different creative team with a slightly different eye. And from what I can tell, 
that I trend more towards your traditional kind of like anime lewd humor than the very specific carve out that Mikobayashi Dragon Maid had. And one of the things, but one of the things that Miss Kobayashi Dragon Maid was dinged for was providing like an opportunity for people to quote unquote lewd a very underage character in the form of Kana. And everybody jumped all over, you know, everybody constantly still jumps all over people for making lewd fan art of Kana, although it totally does exist. You can go find it on the on the actually not so dark parts of the internet. But what everybody also is fairly fine with is the like mountains of My Hero Academia fan art that is about like Deku and uh, Deku and what's his face? Um, Deku and watch this every week. Um, that's about Deku and uh, Bakugo, you know, being married and having a child together, or like. All the lewd fan art of Ororaka or all the lewd fan art of any of the female cast. Pretty much the only person that this doesn't happen to. Well, I'm sure it's goddamn out. I know for a fact it's out there, actually. I passed it at some point in my journeys across the internet. Um, is um, Mineta. And that's because Mineta's character is designed to be <laughs> repulsive <laughs> by the original author. But the original author made all makes all these very specific choices that express these characters like sexuality and attractiveness in the text. Like that stuff is there. If you're watching My Hero, they don't have the same problem as Miss Kobayashi Dragon Maid season two does, where it, it like. Even the dial turned up from five to six, you'll notice. But, like, <clears throat> Yayorozu's character costume. <clears throat> Sorry. Yayorozu's character costume is real, is like a specific thing that is meant to be slightly lurid. The character of Himiko Toga is what it is I mean we just got a backstory thing for her and we found out a lot about like how her powers make her feel and how she expresses those feelings <laughs> so that that stuff is all there for the fans to expand on in their own way in their own fan art in their own doujin in their own whatever and it is happening and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a terrible thing that, um, what's it called? Um, that fan art is possible or, or people are making those things. I don't, I think that, I think that art and lots of times, especially fan art, can be a much safer way of exploring your own ideas than it would be in reality because the bottom line is that lots of people 
have lots of feelings and lots of thoughts that are not not necessarily not permissible but not condonable by the rest of the world so um actually just released a uh clapcast i think it's clapcast number five that um was the uh was a pre-tape recording of me lauren and larry over on the uncanny curve podcast um talking about that movie cuties and the the um the like un the like controversy around that movie and everybody has such a problem everybody probably still has such a problem with that movie and i think it's still on netflix but they don't have a problem with any of the other netflix stuff they made that's like kind of lurid softcore porn (laughs) for lack of a better term and the reason why they had a problem with it was because it involved 14 age girls and it was not even like 14 age girls go to an orgy it was like 14 year old girls work on camera and the point I made in that conversation was these was every everybody beyond a certain age especially preteens have all these thoughts they absorbing all this stuff they're seeing all this stuff that encourages them to have thoughts about sex and thoughts about you know, relationships and thoughts about their body and nobody kind of wants to talk about it. And one of the only places left is largely is anime that says like, no, like 14 year old girls are, can be super horny. It's, uh, and it can have feelings about guys and it's not demonstrated as this like insane incomprehensible how dare you thing and in that same vein the fan art community is pretty supportive of that i mean um i think it's ao3 is the name of the like infamous dojin or the infamous fan fiction site um but if you go on there it's like all kinds of wild like deeply erotic romance texts that are made in like the universe of Harry Potter is made in the universe of I'm sure my hero academia of Dragon Ball Z of all of this stuff and that's part of fan art and one of the other things is largely the first way that people learn how to draw is they learn how to draw because they are um interested in one particular show or interested in a couple shows and they learn how to draw those characters. I learned how to draw in like the age of like Vasha Stampede and of um of like er- of like early to mid nineties anime. And I would sit down and I would attempt to draw Bash. I would do a good job, but I would copy what I saw and it was my first kind of experience with drawing with drawing what I saw and with observational drawing even if it was observational drawing like off a TV and that's the first that's lots of people's first experience with drawing and if they do and if they sit, stick around in that in that mode for a long time 
eventually they develop some skill and if they like it enough or if they have enough confidence that's usually both they may want to pursue that more the, one of the um things i started doing and i talked about this um on actually the sunday edition somewhere i forget what i called the episode um earlier on in the uh podcast feed is one of the things i started doing during the pandemic was I started contributing Patreon because I had a job that allowed me to keep working. So I had the money to support artists on Patreon. I still do. Um, and the reason why I did that was because it's so, it's so difficult to have the brain space to be able to make creative work. And anybody who even attempts it should be applauded even if it's fan art or original work, or even if it's not as good as you would think it is, as as it needs to be to like get to where that person wants to get to with it, because it, that kind of stuff is putting yourself out there in a real way. If you if you saw a if you as an adult saw a fourteen year old girl's like fan fiction about um. Todoroki from My Hero working at a male strip club, which is a like common thing on the internet. I'm not kidding. Um, if you approached them about it, they would probably not be super forthcoming about like, oh, oh, uh, like uh, this has consequences now. This was this was just my weird 14 year old uninformed fantasy. This is ah, uh, 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 uh. and the bottom line is is that. They had a moment of something they wanted to express and they chose to express it creatively. And they chose to bring some, bring anything, something into the world. That should be applauded. No matter how like weird or off-kilter or off-center it is. And too often it's... It, it, it's the first thing people ask is like, it, does this person have a healthy, like, relationship with reality? Does this person, like, have a healthy understanding about other people? And, like, of, like specifically what men are like and all this other stuff. That stuff can come, like, we can have those conversations. But, the, like, at the, the bottom line is that if that thing was good enough, you would read it and you would... It, that would be secondary anyway. One of the... So I'll end this with... Um, with Hideki Anno, I suppose. Um, at one of the reasons why people tolerate... The, like, eccentricity of Ava. In its, in, and it has certain very big eccentricities. And, like, the eccentricities of Anno through Ava is and it's very like the treatment of Mari in that thing is very funny because Mari is definitely I forget Hidekiano's wife's name but she's also like extremely talented um manga author and the end of the end of um Thrice Upon a Time is straight up like oh my wife may be a better person than me and she may be a lot more talented than me <laughs> um which I like good on Anno making like a love letter to his wife in the end of that movie but the the 
reason why people tolerate all that stuff is because he does it with such skill and with such focus and dedication that people are like, yeah, like, he definitely made a bunch of headless naked women marching, marching from the, marching forward from the horizon line as a, like, weird kaleidoscopic triptych thing. But it looks cool as shit. And, like, he committed to the madness in a way that when it's just Lord, when it's just, like, one of those bad, like, we make fan art of topless Android 18 and topless Android 21, you know, drinking coffee, and we charge you, like, 15 bucks for access to this, that doesn't, that stuff doesn't have the same quality, it doesn't have the same artistic merit, it doesn't have the same, um, like, flair that someone who's doing that, but is also, this is a form of creativity, this is a creative outlet to them, and, uh, so I, September 11th was, and this is where I'm going to end it, but September 11th was a thing, literally yesterday. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out, um, yes, this is September 12th. Um, last Saturday was September 11th what, at the time of recording this. Um, but I was having this conversation with somebody, and we're having a conversation about the state of the world, and the kind of overwhelming feeling that came over me was a lot of our problem, a lot of the world's problem right now is that there's a severe lack of imagination of the possible. And one of the things I love about anime is that it is this constant imagining of a poss- of possible worlds, of possible universes, of possible stories in those universes. And one of the things, at least in America, that's not done is that, like, impulse to create something is oftentimes tamped down, not intentionally by, say, your teachers, although sometimes yes, or your parents, although oftentimes yes. It's tamped down just by the structure of, you know, adulthood and of working and of how hard it is to live and work as a creative person. And that means that I think we should start, like, when we see someone who's interested in doing fan art, you know, let them pursue that. Let them pursue that as a goal. Will it turn into something? Who knows? But it's worth, it's worth that person pursuing because even if they don't have the urge to create beyond, like, maybe creating an original character, that creativity and, like, using your brain in that way and, like, even playing in someone else's, like, sandbox, so to speak, in terms of, like, making a dojin about, you know, the, I don't know, about the characters from Dragon Maid, like, Renting a beach house. Who knows? Um, engages 
your mind and creative thinking in a way that it might not be otherwise and provide some challenge and some interest. And on that note, if you like this podcast, uh, if you like the podcast or YouTube show, you can subscribe to us in both YouTube and um, and um, wherever you get your podcast. But I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition, and I will talk to you on Saturday. Thank <laughs> you.